Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Uh, We are in the midst of a series called Creed, and I love the subtitle, What Christians Believe, because sometimes we forget, what do we actually believe as Christians? Or if you're new here and you're kind of checking Christianity out, it's a great way for you to see what do Christians believe? What is it that we hold to? And so we are doing an in-depth look in one of the oldest confessions of faith that has been around, and that is what's called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed and we've been saying this for the past couple weeks, actually holds the essentials of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have Christians that are all over the world, all over the country, that are saying these words. In fact, we're going to say these words in a moment this morning and joining with our brothers and sisters in the Anglican Church, brothers and sisters in the Presbyterian churches, and and some of these other more kind of liturgical churches. We're going to join them in affirming the same beliefs, the same core tenets of what it means to be followers of Jesus. And, And kind of like what I said, we're not just studying the creed, we're actually studying the Bible from which the words of the creed come out of. And it's actually going to give us a deeper understanding of where some of these things in the creed come from in scripture. And so we learned about this a couple weeks ago. The first thing that the creed affirms is that God is also our father. It says, you know, we believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. So God is the creator of the world, but he is also wants us to refer to him as father. He wants us to have that intimate connection with him. Last week, we talked about how God is also referred to as the Son. He, he, he reveals to us, himself to us as Jesus. We talked about what Jesus has done for us. In fact, one of the things that we like to say is we want all of Jesus for all the world. What we mean by that is we want more of Jesus. We want to be so Christ-centered and immersed in Jesus that we are actually making a difference in our neighborhoods, making a difference in our places of work because Jesus and his life is just flowing and emanating out of us today. And so this is like, again, a church-wide series. And so we've been encouraging everyone to get into a city group and not only get into the city group, but pick up one of our city group guides here. This is one of our group guides that we've been kind of working through. It's got, you know, a place where you can have sermon notes. It's got our discussion questions that you can take in your city group because we know that it's not enough just to kind of hear a message once on a Sunday morning, but to discuss it, to talk about it, to break it down, to ingest it so it becomes a part of us and we can go and be agents of change because literally we have been changed from the inside out. And so I just want to let you know that there's still time for you to jump into a city group. If you go to citylines.org groups, you'll see a list of some of our groups that are here. We would love to have you come and join us, get in a city group. We'll make space for you. Um, but it's a great way for you to get connected, to meet more people, but also take the truth of God's word and have it go deeper from your head to your heart to your hands and feet. Amen? And so there's still time for you to jump in. So like I said before, uh, during this series, we've actually been saying the words of the Apostles' Creed together and affirming our faith. So we're going to do that one more time, or we're going to do it many times, even after this week. So I want to invite Sarah Pickney to come up to lead us in the reading of the Creed. I'd like to invite us to stand as we say the words together out loud that Sarah is going to lead us in. I just want to take a minute and just quiet our hearts and remind us we're going to read this a little slower. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I think when we have words that are familiar, it's easy to go on autopilot. So let's just take a moment to prepare our hearts. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Sarah, for leading us in that. So you guys can have a seat. Uh, the way the kind of the, the creed is kind of set up, and I said this last week, it's what's known as Trinitarian. It, it means that God has revealed himself as three in one. So we don't worship three gods, we worship one God who reveals himself in these three personalities, God the Father, God the Son, and today we're going to talk about God the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you're like me, if you grew up in church, you heard a lot about God the Father. Like, we're talking about God the Father all the time. And then, and of course, we talk about God the Son, we talk about Jesus, but sometimes we don't always talk about God the Holy Spirit. And yet we affirm that we believe in the Holy Spirit. In fact, it only has one line in the creed. And part of the reason for that is at the time when the creed was first being developed in the second century, there was a lot of false teaching around who Jesus was. So it was almost assumed that if you're a follower of Jesus, you understood who the Holy Spirit is. But, you know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit becomes what Francis Chan calls the forgotten God. Like, oh yeah, like, there's, there's the Spirit here. And maybe you grew up like me. Like, I grew up in a church where we talked a lot about God the Father, we talked a lot about God the Son, and we, we paid some lip service to the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah, we believed in the Holy Spirit, but if you actually looked at how we lived our lives, how we conducted it, what it looked like is this. It looked like we believed more in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. Like, we didn't emphasize much of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he was kind of de-emphasized, and I remember one summer, our family went to go to India. So my family's from India. And we went to go visit family and friends. And some family I had never met. And so when we went there, I met two of my cousins who were much older than me. And they were Pentecostal preachers. Okay? So some of you, you're like, what is a Pentecostal? Well, Pentecostals, for them, there's a high emphasis in the Holy Spirit. And so I remember going to one of their meetings and going, this is very different from the church I grew up in, okay? I mean, you have people that are literally like, you know, speaking in tongues, and they're giving words of knowledge, they're doing prophecies, there's healing, there's all this stuff going on. And I remember thinking as a teenager, being fascinated, going, man, like, it really seems like there's something happening in this room. It really seems like there's, there's a power that's here that I've never experienced before in church, but it seems like it's kind of unfettered. It seems like it's kind of disconnected from God's word. It seems like I'm seeing these things, but I'm not sure if it's in scripture. I'm not sure if it's biblical. And I, I know that some of you, because I've talked with many of you, you grew up in church traditions like mine, Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Everything was very quiet and very orderly, and that's how we liked it, right? We, we just kind of had it a certain way. But some of you grew up in church traditions that were a little bit more Pentecostal. You felt the fire when you came to church. You had people that were speaking in tongues and getting prophetic words, and all these different things were happening. And I've come to this place where I kind of want both to happen. Like, I want the book of Acts to be happening right now and right here, amen? 
Like, I, I, want, I want us to have fidelity and faithfulness to the word of God, but I also want the fire of God in our lives, amen? It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's word and it's power. And we want the best of all that the Holy Spirit has for us, but also we want to be grounded in the word. And so I want to give us a little bit of an introduction to the Holy Spirit as the scriptures teach. It's not going to be everything, but it's going to be a start. The first is this, is we need to affirm as the creeds, as Christians since the beginning affirmed, and that's this, that the Holy Spirit is God. It's, it's not like a nebulous force like in Star Wars. It's not an it, it's a he. The Holy Spirit is God. We worship three in one. We worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is, is the part of the Trinity that is at work in our world. It's where we see the power of God in our lives, bringing life change and transformation. But maybe you're wondering, how do I experience that power, Nathan? Like, I feel like, there, you know, I, I feel like there's a power outage in my faith right now. Like, I'm struggling with temptations that I can't get victory over. I have a hard time seeing God at work in my life. How do I begin to bring about the power of God? And so, I'm going to teach us a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to give us an opportunity to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to end this message by actually asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk, but before we get there, let's talk about who the Holy Spirit is. So I want to invite you to turn with me to John 16. In John 16, we kind of see like an introduction on the work of the Holy Spirit. So you can kind of go ahead and turn there. Um, and while you're turning there, or you can follow along on the screens, let's just jump in. It says this, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Let me pause here for a second. Who's the speaker here? The speaker here is Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, it's probably for your advantage or for your good for me to leave. And maybe some of you are thinking, where's Jesus going? Like, why is that, for, why is that a good thing? Like, a lot of questions that come up. Well, first you need to understand kind of what's happening at this point in the book of John. This is what's known as the farewell discourse. So Jesus is actually giving a hint, giving a tip to his disciples about what's about to happen that Jesus is actually going to be falsely accused, arrested, tortured, murdered on a cross, and eventually he is going to, you know, resurrect and then ascend back to the Father. He's giving them a tip-off of what's about to happen. Now, the disciples, they have no clue, but he's trying to foreshadow to them so that they understand what's about to happen. Jesus is about to leave, and he's telling them it's for their advantage. So, So hold on to that thought as we go through this passage. And he says this, unless I go away, the counselor, say counselor, The counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So this word counselor in Greek is the word paraclete. It's actually the only, John is the only gospel writer who uses the word paraclete to describe Holy Spirit. In fact, this is kind of an interesting word because it means counselor, it means comforter, it means advocate, it means helper, it means all these different kind of facets about who the Holy Spirit is and how he functions. Now, I want you to keep that word paraclete, take it, put it in the back of your pocket, because we're going to come back to that. That's going to be really important as we work through understanding who the Holy Spirit is. It goes on to say this in verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So let me pause here, because there's some words in here that could be a little churchy, and I want to make sure we understand it real clearly here. When John writes the world, he's very specific about what he's talking about. He's not talking about rainbows. He's not talking about puppies. He's not talking about the beauty of autumn when you look out and you see all the leaves that are changing or things like that. He's actually talking about systems of brokenness and corruption that are in our world today. I mean, I don't think I need to make a point that we live in a broken world. 
Do I? I think we all get that. We see the evil, we see the brokenness all around us. And so John is saying that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world because of that. And then he kind of breaks it down under these three categories, sin, righteousness, and judgment, that the the Holy Spirit comes to convict. He says this in regards to, it says in verse 9, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does for the entire world, all of humanity, is it actually convicts about who Jesus is. And you guys know this. If you talk to anybody, people have all these different ideas about Jesus. Like he was a good guru, or he was a holy man, or he was just, you know, some guy. But the Holy Spirit will convict the world and challenge the world. Who do you believe Jesus is? Do you believe that he's the Son of God? Do you believe that he's come to take away the sins of the world? Do you, came, do you believe that he came to die for your sins? He's going to convict the world, challenge the world about their unbelief and invite the world to come to worship Jesus as Lord and Savior of all. In verse 10, it says this, in regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. This word righteousness, if you go to its root, actually means justice. Because in the first century, the people of God believed in a God of justice. Because think about their situation at the time. The the Jewish people were actually under occupation. The Roman government, this pagan, anti-God government, was living on their land, God's holy land, desecrating their temple. And so they're like, we need the God of justice to come and set this right. We can't do it ourselves. We are waiting for God to come and liberate us from this place. And so when you see this verse here, oh, go back one slide. So when you see this verse here, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, what Jesus is saying is this, true justice is not going to come until the true judge comes. Justice will always be partial. I'm not going to go too much into this because I talked about this last week, but any kind of justice causes, and, and as followers of Jesus, we do want to be about justice, but we need to remember and kind of set our expectations that true justice is not going to be here because none of us are the true and righteous judge. Only Jesus is. He's going to come back to judge the living and the dead. So when he says here that he's going to the Father, it means he's going to go and bring judgment. In fact, that's what, it's, that's what John writes here. He says in regards, you know, next slide, to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The first being that God will judge, that Jesus will judge, is the devil. He's known as the ruler of this world. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, or you're watching online, Nathan, you're really talking about the devil? Like, this is 2023. Like, you want me to believe in a guy in red spandex and, and, and horns and a pitchfork and things like that? And, and, and many of us know this. Like, that's a caricature of the devil. But the Bible talks about evil, and he talks about the personal dimension of evil and how evil is actually out to destroy our lives and the world around us. I mean, I don't think I need to make a case for this. I mean, you look at what's happening in Gaza and Israel right now the immense evil and suffering that's happening because of war, because of all the, the pieces of war. It's horrendous to watch. And it's hard to watch that and not think there is a greater evil that's at work in our world that God is calling us as followers of Jesus to work against and to pray against and be a, a part of moving that away. But we live in this twisted world where the Holy Spirit is at work, even in those dark places. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So Jesus is like, y'all can't handle what I got for you next. Because the disciples, they're a little clueless. Like they are so dependent on Jesus for everything. But in a couple of hours, Jesus will be gone. And what's coming their way is persecution. What's coming their way is they're going to be kicked out of their communities, expelled from the synagogue. Some of them are going to be arrested. Some of them are going to be tortured. Some of them are going to be killed. 
And they're not, they're not prepared for any of that. That's why Jesus is like, you need the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the paraclete to come to you. Because here's the thing, when Jesus was on earth, he occupied time and space. And now that Jesus is with the Father, and now that the Holy Spirit is with us, the Holy Spirit is with me, and he's with Michael, and he's with Taylor, and he's with uh, everyone. He's with all of us. Wherever we go, the Holy Spirit can be at all places, at all time. He's available to us, but he makes his mission very, very simple. And it says this in verse 14. It says this, he will bring, can we go back one slide? I have much to say to you can now bear. Go to the next one. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on this his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Go to the next one. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The mission of the spirit of God is to bring glory to Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. He points everything to Jesus. And says this, that all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So remember, the Holy Spirit's job is he points us to Jesus. He makes Jesus famous. He makes a big deal about who Jesus is. And so if we want to understand his job and his role and experience the empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit, we need to understand his role. And the first is this, is that the Holy Spirit comforts us. He comforts us. Look what it says back in verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now it's interesting, this Greek word paraclete, John's the only one who uses it, but it actually comes from the world of trial law. So the idea is, if someone you know, uh, you know, does something to you, well, you would get a prosecutor who would represent you. Not only would your prosecutor or advocate, that's the word for it, would prosecute the trial, they would also comfort you. If you've ever been in a situation where you've been, you know, hurt because someone's hurt you in a trial, that person would comfort you. They'd take care of you. They'd make sure that all of your legal needs, but also your personal needs, were taken care of. And so the Holy Spirit says, I've got your back. I will bring comfort to you in the broken world that we live in. Because I think all of us know we live in a broken, sin-soaked world, and we need God's comfort. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us in the hard times, the difficult times, the painful times. And for many of us, those happen so often that we need the Holy Spirit to come. In fact, this is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So you see, the world gives us a peace that's a false peace that's dependent on our situation and our circumstances. But the peace that Jesus gives you is a peace that will, ha- that will last no matter what. It'll, ha- it'll stay with you in good times. It will stay with you at bad times. It will stay when everything's going your way. It'll stay with you when things are not going your way. When your business is successful, God's spirit is with you. When your business is getting, going to bankruptcy, God's spirit is still with you. His peace is still available to you. That's what the Bible says. He comforts us. But the Holy Spirit also convicts us. Look what it says in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. But it also brings conviction to God's people. Because many of us know that, you know, we don't live perfect lives. And oftentimes, we need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like, we're going one way, and God's like, bro, you got to go this way. You're going the wrong way. And we need the conviction that comes from God where he challenges us to live differently. When we find ourselves living in contradiction to God's word, when we find ourselves living in contradiction or living in sin, we need God's word and we need the Holy Spirit to kind of point that out 
and kind of move us in a different direction. But I want to be very clear about something. There is a difference between condemnation and conviction. Because sometimes I think so many of us are living under condemnation that we think that the voice of the devil is the voice of God. So we need to be very, very careful of that. You see, the voice of conviction is this. One, it comes from the Holy Spirit. You can write this down. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And even if God is bringing up an area of your life where you know that you're in the wrong, where you know that you're struggling, for whatever reason, you sense God's joy and peace when he brings that up. It's like, you know, God brings up something that's wrong. It's like, man, I I don't feel bad. I, I feel like God is in this. And conviction always leads to change. Like when God brings something up, it means that something's going to change. But condemnation's different. Condemnation's from the devil. Condemnation fills you with despair and shame and grief. And condemnation doesn't always lead to change. Maybe out of guilt you'll change for a little bit, but eventually you'll fall right back into that pattern. Why? Because the devil wants to keep you stuck. And I need to say this, that if you're a follower of Jesus today, you need to understand this, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no shame. There despair because God is at work within you and and through you. Amen? We need to know that. We need to proclaim that. There is no condemnation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. And you need to understand this, that even if you're living in sin, even if you're struggling with sin or you're struggling with doubt, God has not stopped loving you. God has not stopped working in your life. He is still at work and he's going deeper. Give God a praise, church. Come on now. You need to know that. Because maybe some of you here, you're, you're feeling that cloud of condemnation because there's a pattern of sin you can't shake. There's a temptation you can't get out of. But you need to know that God is working with you. Even if you're in the wrong, he hasn't left you. He is still working and bringing his conviction. Because ultimately, the Holy Spirit crafts character. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. He wants to craft character. And John hints at this, but I love how Paul really kind of breaks this down in a letter he wrote to a church in Galatia. Paul, who was another one of the church leaders, says this, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So essentially, what Paul is teaching here is that we actually have two natures that are at war within us, if you're a follower of Jesus. There is the sinful nature, which is this part of us that desires to kind of pursue the things that are not of God, to kind of pursue our lust, to pursue temptation, to pursue greed and pride, and kind of live out of that place. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you new life in Christ. And so now you have God's Spirit that's in you. You receive the Holy Spirit when you first come to Jesus. But you're still learning how to live in the Spirit. And this is the part of you that, you know, makes you desire to to know God's Word, to spend time with God's people, to to desire worship and things of those, you know, of those things. And if you feed that spirit nature, what happens is you start to bear what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. I know some of you know these, but let's review them real quick. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So, so how do you produce these fruits of the Spirit? How do they come out of your life? Well, again, it depends on which of those natures that you feed. If you feed the sinful nature, it's going to grow and it's going to overpower. But if you feed the Spirit, if you stay in step with the Spirit, you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. Those fruits will start to come into your lives but what does this look like? Like, how does this actually practically end up working out in our lives? Well, 
I want you to imagine with me that this vase here is you. If you're watching online, here's the vase. And I want you to imagine that your heart is this bottle of diet soda. Let's open this up here, okay? Oh, it's fresh diet soda, whatever that means. And I want you to imagine that this bowl of white Mentos is conflict that you're experiencing. Some of you all know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but I want you to imagine right here, this is your kid talking fresh to you. Okay? This is your spouse after you've reminded him for the 31st time like what you're doing that day, and he goes, what are, what are we doing today? None of, you, none of you ladies have experienced that, right? This is your boss blowing up on you in front of your coworkers over something that's not your fault. Oh, this is your roommate leaving dirty dishes in the sink again, okay? So these are all the conflicts, or maybe there's some temptation here. Maybe this is like, you know, the temptation you feel it's late at night, and you've got your phone, and you're scrolling through stuff that you shouldn't. And what happens when you're kind of going through this, and all of a sudden, it hits your heart? starts to blow up, right? Sometimes it blows up and explodes, right? You just kind of blow up on somebody, you yell at your kid, you yell at your spouse, it goes all over the place. Or maybe some of you are a little more passive-aggressive, right? Like you maybe make a snide comment here and a snide comment there, a little cut here, it's like a death by a thousand snide comments. Or maybe if you're in a place where you're struggling with temptation, you just kind of give in to the temptation because all these conflicts just keep coming at you and nothing that seems to be stopping it. But as followers of Jesus, if we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, he ha- he's in us. So right here, I've got, again, our hearts, our sinful hearts of diet soda. And then I've got some oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so now I want you to imagine all those same conflicts, all those same temptations are coming at you. In fact, They're all coming at you at the same time. Look what we see here. Maybe you still feel that rage. Maybe you still feel that anger. Maybe you still feel that that struggle with sin. But guess what? The spirit of self-control starts to take hold. The spirit of the peace of God starts to hold on to you. In fact, you have joy. And look look what's happening here. This looks kind of cool, doesn't it? God can take the grossest parts of us and turn it into something beautiful, amen? He takes beauty from ashes. You've got to praise, church. You've got to praise. But as Americans, this is a crock pot, not a microwave. You know what I mean by that? Some of you, when you first came to Christ, God took away your anger. I, I talk to people all the time, like, you know, Nathan, when I came to Christ, like, I stopped cussing, I stopped sleeping around, all that just went for, you know, went for me. But for some of you, it may take years or decades for the Spirit of God to continue to take up more of those places. And that's okay. It's a crockpot. It's a process of transformation. It's okay if you're still struggling with smoking because God is with you in that struggle and he's working in you. It's okay if you're struggling in your addiction and you fall back because the Spirit is still with you and he's working in you. It's okay if your anger is still at a, at a, at a nine because last year it was at a 10. And look what the Spirit's doing. He's bringing it down. It's a crockpot. It's God who is at work in us, enabling us to desire. He's bringing you comfort and conviction and he's working at it in all the different angles. So what do we do with that? How do we 
become more like this instead of this? How do we lean into the process that God is doing? I want to give you three real simple steps. And the first is this, ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to ask to be filled with God's Spirit on a regular basis. Now, I'm going to give you a quick theology in 30 seconds. When you first become a follower of Jesus and give your life to God and repent from your sin, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive God's Spirit. You were indwelt, is what the Bible says. Theologians call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't just stop there. In, in fact, in Acts chapter 2, you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, but then throughout the book of Acts, they are filled again and again and again. What does that mean? Well, it means that we leak. And we need to be refilled by the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God's Spirit to fill us again and again and again. It says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be what? Let's all say this together in bold. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this Greek word for be filled literally means be being filled. means it's a continual process that happens over and over and over again. Here's why this is good news. You can ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit before you have that hard board meeting where you're, before you go to work. It means that when you ha- have that conversation with your kid when they come home from school after you get the phone call from the teacher, you can say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me up? Would you give me, would you help me bear fruits of self-control and peace and joy in the midst of these hard things? You can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you before you go into your day. You can invite the Holy Spirit to fill you as many times as you need, as you want. In fact, that's how we're going to end this message in a little bit. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. And for some of you, you may actually feel the Holy Spirit fill you physically. I mean, think about it. This is the Spirit of God coming into us. Some of us may actually feel something physically when that happens. But you know what? Some of you might not. But here's where the promise still stands. Whether you feel it or not, you receive the Holy Spirit because that's the promise that God gives. And once you ask God to fill you, then you can listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever notice the Spirit of God oftentimes will whisper and not scream? Now, sometimes the Spirit will scream out loud. I'm not, I'm not going to put a limit on what God's Spirit will do, but so often it's in the quiet whispers that God's Spirit speaks to us. Oftentimes it's in the shower because my social media is off, my podcasts are not going. But that's when the Spirit whispers to us. And when we can get better at paying attention to the whispers of the Holy Spirit and being obedient to those whispers, that's how we grow. And if you want to get better, you need to immerse yourself in Scripture. Read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. Let God's word go deeply in you because then you can recognize what is your thought versus a God thought. You can recognize when it's a whisper of the Holy Spirit rather than whatever else is going on around us. When you recognize those whispers, you can see how God starts to work in your life. I'll tell you about it this past week. So uh, this past week, uh, you know, I was going to the gym and, you know, I did my gym thing. Um, and on my way out, I usually have like my earbuds in, I'm looking at my phone and I heard a whisper that said, put your phone away, put your earbuds away, and say hi or goodbye to the folks that are working at the welcome desk. So I was like, all right. So put my phone away, put my stuff away. And as I'm walking out, I see this one woman who I've gotten to know over there, and I say, hey, I'll see you later. And, and she pauses and says, hey, do you still go to that church, you know, the one by the movie theater? I said, yeah, I do, City Alliance Church. And we're kind of chatting about that a little bit. And then I heard another whisper where the Lord said, invite her to church. I said, well, I mean, all right, I'll see what happens. And so as I'm about to go out, I said, hey, listen, 
If you ever have a free Sunday, come join us at church. We'd love to give you a free gift, and we've got some amazing coffee. Uh, we'd love to have you come and kind of check things out. And she said, yeah, maybe I will one day. And, and she kind of, you know, we kind of parted ways that way. Now, I don't know if she's ever going to come to church. And if she doesn't, that's okay. Maybe God will have someone else invite her to a different church, and maybe she'll come to there. But what God calls us to do in those whispers is to be faithful in those moments. You're called to be faithful. You let God be in charge of the results because you don't know what today's obedience will result in tomorrow. Be obedient today. Trust God for the results tomorrow. And finally, don't force fruit, bear fruit. This is, I think, the challenge for all of us because one of the things about the Holy Spirit that I think kind of bugs some of us is the Holy Spirit is supernatural. The Spirit of God is something that happens in our lives that we can't see. It is in some ways mystical. We can't be in control of it. And so oftentimes when we we think about, okay, I need to be a good Christian, so I'm going to be patient today. I'm going to be self-controlled today. We try to like give ourselves the energy when the reality is we can't force it. We have to allow God's Spirit to bear fruit in our lives. And so oftentimes when we're asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit or God, would you help me bear the fruit of the Spirit? What we're called to do is be responsive to what God gives in front of us. Sometimes, if you're asking God for patience, he's going to give you people that will help you teach you patience. It could be your kids. But this is where we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Not just in a mystical way, but in the very fact that we have other believers around us. Where you have other believers that you can say, hey, listen, like I want to grow in patience. Will you pray with me? Hey, listen, I'm really struggling with this addiction. Will you hold me accountable? Will you check in on me? Hey, I'm really just kind of struggling to see God's goodness and his promises in some hard times. And as you start to lean into this, what starts to happen is that God starts to change your life little by little, bit by bit. And you start to look more like this rather than this. But it happens when you're not forcing it but you're simply yielding and surrendering yourself to God and his transformation. And it begins by simply asking for God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes I'll I'll end a message, you know, if if, if it's about salvation, you know, say, hey, if you want to come to know Christ, you know, put your hand up or stand, and, um, you know, we'll kind of walk you through that. But, But today, I want to kind of invite you to do something similar. I said that we're going to end this service by inviting you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, this is just something that we're being obedient to in Scripture in Ephesians 5.18. It says, be being filled. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today to stand so that you can say, hey God, I want to be filled. I need to be filled. I, I can't do anything without your power. Because here's the thing, we can't resist temptation on our own. We can't love our family and friends the way they really need to be loved on our own. We can't pray. We can't love scripture. We cannot do anything without the Spirit of God in us and empowering us. More than anything else, we need to be Spirit-dependent. And sometimes when we take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, fill me, what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be in charge of my life. I know I keep slipping into that. You're going to be in charge of my life. And here's the promise that we get in Luke eleven thirteen. 13. It says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants to give you more of his Spirit. 
And if you're like, well, Nathan, how does that work? Like the spirit leaks, we get more. Like how does that? Listen, there's some parts of this I don't understand. It could be metaphorical. It could be literal. All I know is here's what scripture calls us to do. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to be obedient to scripture. Amen. There's some great conversations we can have about that later. More than anything else, I want us to be filled and saturated with God's spirit that we can't help but pour out his kingdom everywhere we go. Amen. So here's what I'd like us to do right now. Actually, let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I just want to acknowledge that you are in this place right now. I think about how before you started your ministry, Jesus, God the Son, received the Holy Spirit. All right, look at that picture we have in the back of the church in the balcony. It's you being baptized by John the Baptist, receiving the Holy Spirit. If you needed the Holy Spirit, before you went out and were tempted by the devil, before you healed anyone else, before you preached, before you did any of that, we need it too. So I want to invite you right now, if you're sensing that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, would you stand right now where you're at? If you're watching online, I want to invite you to stand as well. Go ahead and hold your hands out. In a moment, I'm going to invite us to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And like I said before, some of you are going to feel something in your body. You might feel a sense of peace. You might feel what the revivalist Charles Finney said was liquid love going from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Some of you may not feel anything. But this is where we trust in the promises of God, that if we ask, he says yes. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you who are God, I ask that you to fill us right now in the name of Jesus. Fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Would you fill us right now? As we are filled with your spirit, God, would you prepare us to bear fruit this week? Would you give us victory over sin and temptation? Even if it's 1% victory since last week. Holy Spirit, help us be sensitive to your whispers. We're asking to be filled as we leave here. Help us to sense your whispers so that we can be obedient and do what you've called us to do. Some of you right now, maybe you're feeling like an argument in your head. Is this real? Is it not real? I just want to encourage you just to trust what the scriptures say. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you may not be feeling anything right now, but maybe a little bit later today you might. Maybe later this week. You're going to sense and experience God in a fresh way. In fact, God, I I ask right now that you would give us a fresh revelation of your love this week. A fresh sense of your presence and your peace. So that we can know that you are God and give you the worship that you deserve and walk in the power of the Spirit that's not from our own ability, but from yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.